0: The following podcast contains spoilers and pretty naughty language. We watch a thing. We watch a thing. Hello everybody and welcome back to We Watched A Thing. Once again, I'm so lucky to have this guy on. It's one of my favourite people in the world, podcasting or not. It's Julio from The Contrarians. How you doing, mate? Hey, I, I am so
1: lucky to be invited back after oh, not, not really being crazy about Cliffhanger. <laughs> That shows that our friendship can survive anything,
0: Billy. That's right. That's right. I knew I had to get you on. I mean, you and I had been trying to line up another time to record anyway. And then I got this movie in as a Patreon request, and I was like, well,. I know who I need to chat to about this, because <laughs> we had fun doing a Wes Anderson film together last time, and I'm sorry that I didn't like that as much as you hoped. <laughs> so I'll be what really will curious to now? see where we go here. Yeah, yeah. So how have you been anyway? <laughs> uh,
1: doing well, doing well. I, I don't remember what it was like here in Texas uh, last time we recorded but you know, one of the reasons we ended up doing this instead of something that was more of a current release was because I told you I don't know what it's going to be like when we yeah. when we're scheduled to record, and uh, and now I know what it's like. And <laughs> we're in stage five again, which means that you know our hospitals are so full that you're basically you know stage five is bad, stage one yeah. is great, and. Yeah. Uh, We've been on stage five pretty much since after the holidays, surprise, And uh, but they're expecting it to finally go down to stage four in a couple of weeks, so yep. that'll be good, but whatever the case, it's not like I feel uh, like going out and like being in a crowd with yeah. strangers watching a movie as much as I want to do it. You know, I skipped Scream, I skipped, uh, I don't know, what yeah. else has come out later. That So I'm glad this one, easy. I just got an Amazon yep. Prime and it was right there. <laughs> Watch it from my couch.
0: Yep. We are, of course, talking about the French Dispatch, new Wes Anderson film. Full title, The French Dispatch of the Liberty, Kansas Evening Sun. (laughs) 2021 American Anthology comedy film written and directed and produced by Wes Anderson. It has a huge ensemble cast. It stars... Benicio del Toro, Adrian Brody, Tilda Swinton, Léa Seydoux, Francis McDormand, Timothy Chalamet, Bill Murray, Jeffrey Wright, Owen Wilson, Christoph Waltz, Edward Norton, Jason Schwartzman, Angelica Houston. The list goes on. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to talk to you about this one. Were you, were you keen to get to this previously? Like, were you excited for this one?
1: Yes. I, I From the trailer. It just looked like so much fun. And uh, I like Wes Anderson. I uh, I don't love all his movies, but I've always tried to watch them. I've seen them all except for uh, Bottle Rocket. Uh, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, at this point, I I'm like, why wouldn't I? It's just that I haven't gotten around to it. Man, I think I've seen everything since uh, Life Aquatic in theaters. From yeah, right, and yeah, and of course, but of course not this one. And. I know. I just praised and celebrated the fact that I could watch it on Amazon Prime at home. But as I was watching, I was like, man, this would have been pretty cool in in a movie theater.
0: I have to to agree. I watched this at home as well, but I'm very lucky here to have a home theater set up. And I was so glad I chose to watch it there instead of like on my phone or something. Oh, yeah. The look of this film is stunning. Like, this is a really beautiful looking film for sure.
1: Yes, if uh, if things were normal, I would have gone to see it yeah. in theaters. I, the only reason I waited was just because you know it's it's chaotic. But uh, yeah, it's it's good, and I, I I wouldn't say that Wes Anderson is among my top directors or anything, but he's yeah. definitely one of those filmmakers that I'll go watch whatever he makes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I like I said last time, I have a bit of an odd relationship with Anderson, where I love some of his stuff, and I don't really love others. So I was curious to see this because I agree the trailer I thought for this looked awesome. This looked really really great. And I will venture to say that I think this is the most Wes Anderson film of all of his films. This this is it's insanely Wes Anderson. The whole vibe, the structure, it's just it if if you were to get a bot to write a Wes Anderson film, I feel like this is the movie it would spit out.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I think so. I, I, I think that there are two types of Wes Anderson movies. I, I was, I actually did my letterbox ranking of them, like in my list, and not yeah. including Bottle Rocket, and, I, and I could tell, you know, the big divide that's where at some point they just they truly become ensemble pieces, and I yeah. think that this is the ultimate Wes Anderson. Of that type of movie where it's yeah, yeah. just every single role is just an actor, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but I, I guess when did the break happen? You know, because even, uh, so Life Aquatic, Darjeeling Limited, uh, Rushmore, you know, those are more, I feel like they're more self, like, like they're
0: not more as kind of intimate sprawling films. narrative. Yeah, yeah exactly.
1: Yeah. And, uh, so that is, I think, a type of Wes Anderson movie that we haven't gotten in a while. And, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We might at some point, but right now he's on this big epic kick <laughs> and, and yes, I agree. In that sense, this is this is a movie that uh that represents all of that. I wonder if there are some Wes Anderson purists that are like, oh no man, the early years were the best and this is just <laughs> yeah. he's he sold out.
0: I mean there would be for sure. Absolutely there would be. So let's get straight into it then. Did you like this film? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I that that's that's the first question I want to ask. Just I'm just bottom really line curious. It. I'm just going straight in for it. Did you like this film?
1: I did. I did. You did. I, yeah. I will add that there's only one Wes Anderson movie that I would say I haven't liked and that is uh The Limited. Yeah. I- everything else I walked away from it saying I liked it or I loved it. So in yeah, this one yeah. is you know Unsurprisingly, it's also it's, it's a positive thing. Now, I didn't like everything about it. And this is yeah. one of those, because okay. it's an anthology of sorts. It, yes. This there are some I very clear go. separations. And so I can say this was better than some other things.
0: Yep, so- I agree. And that is my problem with the film and why I didn't love it. I loved the first 10 minutes. I adored the start to this film. I thought it was great. And then once... Even when you get into the anthology, I actually, I loved the bicycling segment, for example. I thought that was really clever and cool. And I think my issue then is that from that point on, you just get three stories, half hour each. And if you like the stories, great. If you don't, too bad. You just kind of, that's what you're getting. And <laughs> Okay, but Billy, that is the case with every movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. Except that not every movie will have... Like, not every movie will have half an hour worth of characters that you really get on board with and love, and then that's done. That's done for the rest of the film. Yes. And, and you're given a completely different set of characters in a completely different situation, and, and if you don't like it, you just have to sit through it and wait to see if you like the next half-hour segment. I personally, actually, I feel like I would have liked more segments smaller. Like, I would have loved, if this film had had, say- 10 five-minute segments. Mm-hmm. Look, maybe that's too many. Maybe, maybe we're getting into like movie 43 territory there, which everyone knows is the worst thing ever made. <laughs> but... I don't know. I feel like I might have enjoyed that more because, yeah, I don't love every segment of this anthology. But did you
1: know that it was going to be like this going in?
0: I didn't. No, going in, I didn't know it was an anthology film, actually. So that did surprise me straight up. Were you aware of that?
1: Uh, not officially, but I felt that the trailer gave vibes of anthology. Like, I Not yeah. that it tells you much, but I, I thought that it had to do with the magazine and the... I guess just the wide array of characters and situations, and the yeah, the the, the setting, like the production design, is kind of different, you know. So yeah, yeah, I I felt like we were going to deal with different narratives within the movie, and so it wasn't it wasn't shocking when it when yeah. it happened. But how do you feel about anthology movies in general? Because I mean,
0: I I actually do like them for the most part, and I think that this is a really cool concept. Like I actually really love the idea that this the way that it's framed as an issue of this newspaper is actually really cool. And I think to some extent that's why I think I would have liked more smaller stories because that's more true to the form that it's kind of playing with, I Mm -hmm. think. Like, even if you just thrown in one more fluff piece like The Bicyclist, I think it might have brought me on board a little bit more. But I actually- that's what I mean. I'm torn. There's parts of this movie I really like. Conceptually, I love that. And I love the fact that each story really is told through voiceover, which you're always told is is a bad thing when writing. But obviously, it's playing with the form. And, and it's written like an article, mm-hmm. like a feature article, which is kind of cool. But I just didn't get on board with each of the stories. And for me, I feel like they got- ...worse as it went on, which is why I think oh. I'm left with a bit of a sour taste in my mouth... ...because <laughs> the first story is my favourite, the second is my second favourite... ...and the third is my least favourite. So, I think, even though it's not a long movie... ...I started to feel the runtime because of those segments, I think. And by the end, I was a bit bored. But you you obviously feel differently about about the stories.
1: Um, yes, I mean, I would rank them differently. I, I think I go, the first one's my favourite... Yeah, the second one is my least favorite, and then it picked up at the end with the third. Yeah, one, right. Which is, I think it's almost as good as as the first one. And honestly, if I rewatch it, the third one might end up being my favorite because yeah, I right. think that there's a, I think there's more heart in the third one. It's just that it, there's also, I don't know, there's some more fluff. Whereas like the first <laughs> yeah. one is just like concise and it does everything. It, it's just really funny. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the 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 bicycle thing. I was, it was, it was funny, but it, even though it's the shortest, it went on for too long for me. I'm like, tell me a yeah, story. Right. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> you know, it's just like a succession of gags and it's, it's funny, but I was getting restless because I think travel travelogues oh, are not my, my thing. Yeah,
0: right. That's interesting because it was definitely towards the end of the film that I started getting restless. So, I mean, let's talk about the cast and I guess we really have to to break it down into the cast for each segment, because um, even though this is a stacked cast, there are a lot of people. Like Elizabeth Moss, for example, is in this film mm-hmm. for I don't know how many lines she says, <laughs> two or three. <laughs> yes, like it's a stacked cast with not a lot of screen time for each of those players. I think.
1: I mean, but they have to know that going in if you if they've watched any of the previous. Uh- movies in this era of uh, Wes Anderson filmmaking, they have to know that sometimes some of his key players get two lines and then they'll be featured more in a future movie. Like, uh, I think this is the first time that uh, Leah Sudeau has had, like, an actual character. Because I know she was in uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. She might have been in one other one with him. but And that was just kind of a nothing character. And here she finally has something to do. So... I think Elizabeth Moss, hopefully we'll see her with a more fleshed out character down the line. Uh, do you, I, who was Angelica Houston? Did you recognize her? Because I
0: missed her. No, me too. I didn't either. That's <laughs> that's the surprising thing about reading that castle. is there's so many names there and you're like, really? <laughs> like, yeah. I think some of the characters for me, you know, for example, even though I liked the first story, I feel like. Some of these were kind of nested with multiple framing devices which I didn't need. I I don't understand why the story is being told by Tilda Swinton. I didn't I didn't understand why we needed we already have the framing device of the newspaper. Why do we then need Tilda Swinton at a conference telling this story? Do you know what I mean? It's fun, Billy. <laughs> I don't know. For me stuff like that lost it like I, that's what I mean. Conceptually, I love the idea of playing with this format, and it's something we haven't seen before, but I just think it it goes too far out of those bounds. And maybe I'm being a stickler to the quote-unquote rules, but for me, stuff like that lost me.
1: I like it because it gave you different points of view within the article. Uh, I think it's more noticeable, obviously, in uh, in the last one, right, when you have Jeffrey Wright he wrote something, but there was something he left out of the story. And then you find out what he left out. And you can only yeah. do that if you break away from the, the framing device of, well, this is the article that I wrote. And, yeah. and I think that that happens in all the stories. Uh, Frances McDormand, obviously she wrote something, but there, there's also, uh, the, <laughs> every time she stepped away from a, what you call it? Journalistic neutrality or, whatever, yeah. And, yeah. you know, there's things happen that were not in the article. And, uh, Yeah, I honestly, I don't know how that applies to Tilda Swinton thing, but I thought it was cool. But I like that kind of stuff. I like that weird narrative uh, where you just kind of have a digression that's not really a digression. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're telling a story and then you're like, but by the way, this is what happened. (laughs) And then this character in this story tells a story about something else. I I like that. I actually, I like that a lot. And I, I mean, good for him for, I guess, trying something else because like Grand Budapest had that other kind of weird device that was i guess more to i imagine it was more to your liking because it was more uh neatly structured the whole thing of like a story within a story within a story within a story yeah the russian dolls thing and (laughs) uh, this one is a little messier but i guess he goes with the the atmosphere that he has of the the writer's room in that magazine where yeah everybody's just shooting ideas and you know talking about editing stuff out and adding stuff so
0: yeah yeah, no, I mean that's I, true. Yeah, when you look at it from that perspective, yeah.
1: I I mean I get it. that like, it, it can just throw you off if uh, if you think that you finally figure out how this movie's telling you a story, <laughs> and then it just throws something at you. But it's just so whimsical that that was just take me wherever you want. To. <laughs> I'll yeah, just and I do I do
0: love the whimsy. Which I mean, this is this movie is beautiful, and it, it's like watching a fairy tale. Like it, <laughs> it's you could almost see this as a watercolor book, like. It's it's so fun to look at and just little details and stuff. It's gorgeous.
1: Yeah, the I couldn't. I, I keep going back between. Is this like looking at a painting? Is it like looking at a photograph? But either way, it's just moving. I think the way that yeah. he that he frames, that he composes his yeah. shots, and yeah, uh, I mean, he'll move the camera at times, but for the most part, I just. Uh, It's that thing where he'll just set the camera, and then just like these really complex things will happen in there, and it's
0: oh yeah, yeah. Some of the that beautiful shot where the camera is moving from room to room as the the people are all frozen, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you can you can see that they're holding pose, and you can see them kind of shaking and trying to hold it, and it just it's such a fantastic effect that's. That's used so well. And, you know, things are being held by fishing line and stuff to keep them still. And it's just, it's like looking at a diorama. It's just so gorgeously and everything is purposefully placed just so. Like,
1: Yeah. But now, I love see, that- that's going to... Anybody that doesn't like that, that hates that kind of Wes Anderson aesthetic, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> they're going to hate this movie. But I imagine they're not yes. even going to watch this movie. Uh, so... Yeah. But uh, as much as I I was just saying that he's trying new things with the storytelling a little bit here, it's not like he's trying to win people over (laughs) any detractors of his style, Uh, which is fine. I mean, I I, I think it works really well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's not for me, it's not just the way he structures each shot, the way he structures the, the series of shots in a scene is is really well thought out, I think. And and this film, I think, really highlights that with things like the change of aspect ratios at certain points. And, you know, you've got some segments that are black and white and some that are colour and some that, you know, there are a series of photographs at times. It's just, it's really, really nicely put together. I think the editing of this film is really great.
1: So speaking of that, though, what did you make of the, the changes from black and white to colour and back, th- that whole back and forth? Uh, because I, I mean, I kind of lost track of it. I was not trying to figure out like what exactly determined the change to color other than yeah. I felt that sometimes the importance of a shot would suddenly be underlined by that shot being in color. And then you go back, like, for example, when uh, they are they're they finally reveal the, the paintings that. Benicio del Toro has been working on for years, and yeah. suddenly you go from black and white to oh, that shot of Adrian Brody and it's all in color, and then you go back to black and white. And uh, like I remember noticing it then, but for the most part, it was just part of that thing of uh, I was just letting the movie take me. And so yeah. sometimes it was in yeah. color, sometimes it was in black and white, but I never yep. felt like a strong divide between those two, where I could just tell you, you know, like some of these people, like oh, black and white is the past, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> present day <laughs> yeah. is a color, and it's that simple.
0: No, I, I agree with you. I, I just let it wash over me and I was just like, yep, you, you show me what you want me to see, Wes. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the one thing, whether, whether I have issues with the screenplay or the structure narratively or any of those kind of things, I, I always trust that he has a reason for, like, and I, I think you look at his composition of, and framing, like, this is a man who thinks about everything in a shot. His attention to detail is crazy. Like, he will pick up every little thing. And so i, I that's kind of how I feel about It's like, I'm, I'm sure there's a reason for it. But I think the editing is so well done that, like you say, I, I can't say I noticed it other than, mm. like, I know it was happening, but it wasn't distracting me at all, which is, is amazing. You know, like, I don't know if you saw Transformers the last night when that came out.
1: No. That movie <laughs> was I, shot. I, in- I love that you were bringing it up in a Wes Anderson <laughs> <laughs> episode.
0: So that movie was shot in four different aspect ratios and not scene to scene. They just had four different cameras running. And so it will change aspect from shot to shot within a scene. You know, you might have all four aspects in one 30 second sequence and it's distracting as hell. Like I find stuff like that really off putting. So the fact that it took me kind of half an hour into this film before I realized that the entire thing wasn't four three academy Mm -hmm. aspect because so much of it is but it does jump around and i didn't even realize that was happening because i was just taking it in it's so nicely done but it's funny it's i'm trying to remember what it was i've i think maybe it was the original solaris that i'm thinking of where for a long time people were like oh you know shots that are in this kind of hue mean this and really what happened was they just kept running out of Budget, so they just kept having to change film stock. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so people are always trying to like read into what things mean, and who knows? Maybe Wes just thought it looked cool. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll take it because I, I guess that w- what is really worth the praise is what we're talking about, which is that it feels seamless, and yeah. whether there was. Uh, a really profound reason for it or just oh, hey it looks cool it's time for for it to be in color then it's still yeah, it doesn't exactly. take you out of the movie so yeah. it's funny that you bring up uh solaris the original because i just watched it
0: all uh, oh, right but, yeah.
1: to be fair i watched it over the last two weeks because that movie is slow and it i had to is- <laughs> it took me several sittings to. Yep, yeah. uh, that
0: was the first ever movie that Tofran and i did as a guest spot on, on another podcast way back. We'd been going for maybe like three months or something and got an invite to do that movie. And it was so slow. <laughs> it was just so long.
1: <laughs> yeah. It makes you appreciate but, 2001. Oh, oh yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, if I had my way, this movie would be nominated for best film editing for me. Cause I just think it's insanely well put together. And yeah, you don't, For it to have a structure that is so unstructured in some ways, I think it's amazing how well this movie flows.
1: Yeah. Uh, I would say production design as well. Did
0: it get anything? Did it get any nominations?
1: Because I saw some tweets from people that were just bemoaning the fact that they had been uh, kind of shut out. But I didn't know if that was an absolute, (laughs) we don't get anything, or if it was just that it didn't get any of the
0: big awards. Yeah, no nominations at all. That's rough. Yeah, it's shocking to me that this film didn't get a single nomination. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> I wonder if it's- No, no, I was gonna say, I wonder if it just has something to do with it just not getting the, the release that they could have just because, you know, you still have COVID around. But that shouldn't affect the Academy. The Academy gets screeners.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, these days when you look at movies that are- Released predominantly on streaming services like Power of the Dog is the front runner. Mm-hmm. That, that I think only got a week's worth of screenings here in cinemas before it was just on Netflix. Um, you know, I think this had a longer play in cinemas than that did certainly here. I'm not sure about over there, but yeah, nah. it's crazy. Well, it, crazy.
1: I, I don't think Wes Anderson cares. I could be wrong, but he just <laughs> strikes me as somebody <laughs> who's fine. Just, yeah just tr- <laughs> just, absolutely true i'll get them with the next one um, <laughs> so going back to actors for a little bit though because i so tony revolori i think that's his name it's the guy from grand budapest hotel and here he's in the movie for not even five minutes i think <laughs> yeah but i was just happy because i've seen him as uh flash thompson in the spider-man movies and then oh, right. yes yeah but that's kind of a it's a small part. And yeah. uh, so I was happy that he's kind of being kept in the stable of Wes Anderson players and, you know, Bill yeah. Murray. Uh, yes. Jeff Goldblum wasn't in this one, but, uh, you know, Jason Schwartzman has a small part, uh, Bob Balaban. How do you feel about that, you know, when filmmakers have their own kind of set of players that they kind of dip in and uh, out of? Do I mean- you like that or do you prefer it when they, they just... Kind of stretch their muscles. And uh, honestly,
0: I love it. I love it. because okay, me too. <laughs> because, uh, there's not, like, a, a filmmaker who has such a relationship with an actor that they, they write for them so well, for example. Like, I just think, you know, a relationship like that between a, a filmmaker and an actor is great. And the thing about Wes Anderson is, yes, he has his regulars. But I love the way you used the word players before because to me, it's like, at this point, he's got a chess set. <laughs> he's got you know, 20 pawns and he's got four bishops and he can kind of use them interchangeably as he wants and move them around and I actually think he's got such a massive cast now of people to play with that I have no problem with him using the same cast. Put Bill Murray in every Wes Anderson movie. like <laughs> Yes, he, I he, think. He should be. He sh- it's not a Wes Anderson movie without Bill Murray in it, honestly. <laughs> he's yeah. just so good. But, yeah, I've got no problem with that at all. What's, it, what's your favourite filmmaker-actor relationship, do you think?
1: So, I, for the longest time, I would have told you... Uh, Maybe it still is. Uh, Scorsese, De Niro, which is kind of a yeah. easy answer because it just it goes back so many years and yeah. they have so many high points together, and you just got it back a couple of years ago with the the Irishman, and it's like oh yeah. they still got it. Um, I. I like, I mean, this is too soon to tell, but Fassbender and uh, Steve McQueen. Yeah, so they did Hunger, they did Shame, and they did 12 yeah. Years a Slave. And I thought that that was, you know, all three are phenomenal movies. Yeah. So uh, that's a good one. I don't know if they did anything else after 12 Years a Slave, but, you know, he'll get him back.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I was going to say maybe uh, Sophia Coppola and Kirsten Dunst.
0: Yeah. Maybe they have what yeah.
1: three together, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, I like it. I, I, I like it because you get to see, especially when you get them to see try new things. And so yeah. you have this director and you might recognize some things, but you also get to see them stretch their muscles. So Scorsese and De Niro doing the king of comedy is yeah. fantastic. And like with, uh, Wes Anderson and Bill Murray, for example, I think that they've generally played the same notes. I think he got, you know, Rushmore is a big one where, he's playing like a fleshed out character and then uh, obviously life aquatic, but then for the most part his roles in the later movies, is more like, and here's the Bill Murray character. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah that's fine yeah. too. You know, it's like you were saying he has him uh, in his chessboard and he knows how to deploy him and that works yeah. fine. And I think that, you know, he does that with Owen Wilson and Jason Schwartzman, man, I yeah. cannot wait for the next movie when he gives Henry Winkler more to do
0: he just that would be cool
1: this was his introduction i think into the wes anderson verse yeah Yeah, he was just mostly in the background yeah just looking disturbed but in the i really hope that in in a future movie he gets him he gets some lines at least
0: yeah you know one thing i would love to see from anderson and like honestly who am i to say (laughs) I I think he's great, and I think a lot of stuff he's done is cool. You were talking before about how you feel like there's the two kind of different styles he's got. He's got these big ensemble pieces and then the more intimate as well. I would love to see him double down on that and give us, like, a bottle movie with three cast members. (laughs) Like, can you imagine a Wes Anderson movie with, like, only Bill Murray jeff goldblum and henry winkler in it like just the three of them (laughs) you know like 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 my dinner with andre but like just those three people and directed by wes anderson i mean fuck that would be incredible
1: (laughs) or it could be a disaster but i would watch it anyway (laughs) yeah (laughs) can he do it i i mean i would be interested to find out
0: um I guess it depends on, on how how you think of Anderson. And do you think that his dialogue skills are strong enough to carry a film like that without as much visual flair? Because I, I, th- I think he could do a film like that with no problems.
1: See, I don't know. Because I, I think that the closest he's done to that is Darjeeling Limited.
0: And I didn't like it. Which is your least <laughs> favorite. Yeah. <Yep.
1: laughs> yeah. You know, you had the three brothers and they were mostly kind of in this train talking to each other. Not much of a story. And yeah. uh, it, it didn't work. But that was so many years ago. You
0: know,
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I might like it better now or he might be better at it now. So so who knows? Um, yeah. So why do you like the last one? Walk me through your rationale of how do you rank these stories? Why do you like the last one least?
0: I think, honestly, it just comes down to the fact that by that point I was worn out. Like okay. I thought, like I said, I thought the first 10 minutes or so was really strong. I, I love because I was so into this concept I thought wow this is this is very very cool like this idea of playing with journalism and the structure of a newspaper and you know framing it around the this is the last issue ever because the owner has died and and he stipulated you know that this is how the last issue looks and and I liked that idea but I think I just got worn out by I don't even know how to describe it (laughs) like like because I think you're right. I think honestly the sec the third story probably is fairly close to the top. Like because I again I like the concept of that story and everything. I was just so tired by the end, <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a long movie. It's less than two hours. So like for a film to be that short and still wearing that's where for me I was like okay something here isn't working, and I honestly. I feel like I don't know how to, I feel like I'm a bit of a dick for saying that because I've done nothing almost but praise this movie. I think the direction (laughs) is incredible. The acting is all great. We haven't even got to the score yet, but absolutely beautiful. And yet, that's why the only thing I can think of is the screenplay and the narrative that it it just lost me by halfway through. And it felt more like a chore to finish the movie than enjoying it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean, because I, I've had that feeling mostly when reading short story books. Short story yeah. anthology is like, I'll have to take a break, because it's that feeling of closure when one ends, and then yeah. you have to you start You need that breathing scratch. space, that yeah.
0: time to, you know, let it sit, yeah.
1: You have that effort of, oh, I'm starting over from scratch again, yeah. introducing all the new characters, a new setting, yeah. and all that stuff, so I, I get it, yeah. Uh, which is why the idea of more of these stories sounds exhausting to me. Like a three is probably right. the best number. But
0: see, to me, I guess it's you know it's like you don't get worn out watching an episode of Saturday Night Live, for example. And I know that that's not a great comparison because <laughs> you know sometimes it's wearing watching that show anyway, just because that's yes. really hit and miss. But I think if you're looking at a length of say ten minutes maximum, and I think it's a really interesting exercise from a filmmaking point of view as well like people think of short stories and short films as being the easier thing to do and i actually think that's completely wrong because to tell a story in that length of time that makes people care i think is really difficult but i think it's just because these these segments they're not full length but they are they're really long like they're each about half hour in length it's just long enough for me that, like you say, you get that feeling at the end of it where you're like, oh, now I'm starting over again. Whereas I feel like if they were shorter, you might not get that feeling so much because you'd get used to that pace of movement rather than getting sucked into this full story that then just ends.
1: <laughs> yeah. the I watched a movie not too long ago. It's it's in French, but the, the title translates to Paris, I Love You. and. Yep. I want to say it's
0: eighteen short stories. Yeah, yeah, all made by different film directors. Exactly. Yes, and yes, so that's yes, I've seen that a very long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: but that that's that kind of format where every short is really short. I mean, that's how yeah. you fit eighteen in two hours. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Uh, of course, because there are different filmmakers for each one, then the quality and the styles vary so much that it's not a fair comparison because yeah. you might be reacting to the story or just to the sensibilities of the director, and so um, yeah. But watching that one, it was I still felt it because some of them were very emotional and some of them were very slight and so yeah, it was just yeah. kinda like a bit of a roller coaster anyway. Uh this one I I think that I was mostly happy because I liked the third one so much more than the second one. The second one features one of my least favorite type of characters, which is the the college revolutionaries. Yeah, yep. Yep <laughs> those they they can be not always, but they can be pretty insufferable. And in this movie, yeah. they're insufferable. Even though I know that they're they're on the right side of history in a way, you know. But honestly, I don't even understand. I, I didn't fully understand what they were fighting for because I disengaged from that story kind of halfway through. Yeah, but I guess I was thinking about it. I was like, what is it? Why do I don't like them? It's because you know that that idea of that that with youth in college and the new ideas come a bit of like self-righteousness and i guess i've I've seen so much i mean not just obviously i'm sure i was a little shit when i was you know that age too but (laughs) then when you're old and just the idea of like these kids have all this potential but they're just so single-minded about how to get things and there is one moment in that story that i loved and i'm like this made it all worth it and that's when francis mcdormand kind of like stepped in and talks to the girl that was leading the one of the leaders of the revolution of this youth revolution and basically tells her you're a child <laughs> yeah. And, yeah and then then francis mcdormand apologizes if she offended her and the girl doesn't take the apology and then mcdormand says are you sure you're not a child because you should learn how to take an apology or something like that and i was like that's it that's it you can end <laughs> it right now because that was the end of it um but it was, but the rest was kind of messy. You know, there were things I liked. Uh Timothy Chalamet's hair in that sequence is just <laughs> out of control, and uh the the implication. Well, the more like they they told us we just didn't get to see it that he had sex with Francis McDormand, which seemed wild.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: There were some funny things there, but overall, it was just like it's not my, it's not the type of character that I like, and uh, yeah, and the story just just wasn't engaging, in and so. It was a downer after how much I liked the first one, yeah, like I was writing high of the story of uh, Benicio del Toro as this murderous killer in prison that yeah. discovers yeah. his love for art and yeah. and then the <laughs> the businessman that tries to exploit it and you know that whole story is great, and then this thing 'Cause I was so high, or, and I was like, Oh, I need to watch this again, I need to watch it with my wife, she's gonna love it. And then the second story happened, and I was like, Oh man, no, this is yeah, this is not gonna be great. And then the third one happened, and the third one was making me laugh again, and it was interesting. I really liked yeah. uh, Jeffrey Wright's voice. And you know, you're talking about yeah. how it's the the voiceover that is through the entire movie, but there's different voices and they're very distinct. Yeah. You know, because you can tell well, the each- are because
0: it's different writing it- styles as well, which exactly. is really clever.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's so it's they have so much personality, each of these segments. And so the story was interesting. I love the gimmick, which is like, oh, I'm writing about the chef that specializes in cooking for cops. And so the yeah. food has to be suited, like, you know, for very specific needs. And it's, they need to be able yeah. to eat it in silence and <laughs> make a mess, <laughs> yeah. which is so good. Uh, yeah. So was I was just wonder, so happy, you know, I think that that's why it ended up on a high.
0: I wonder how differently I would feel about each of these segments if I was to watch them kind of in a vacuum. Like, if, if I was to just put on that second one and mm-hmm. then walk away for an hour and then just put on the third one, I probably would like the third one a lot more. You're probably right. I think, and that's to me where the issue with an anthology comes in is that- it, needs to there still needs to be a purpose for it to be an anthology i think then and it's an interesting move of anderson because i'm thinking back over the last i don't know 15 20 years of anthology films i've seen it's very rare for an anthology to be made by a single voice like generally the idea behind anthology films is that you know you get someone different in for each segment so that they're kind of slightly different it this is a rarity to have an anthology film written in such a way. And I guess that's to me where it fell flat is that I didn't, I feel like it's not worth the sum of its parts, if that makes sense.
1: It's been so long. I don't remember how you guys felt about uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs.
0: I loved it. Topher and Beth hated it.
1: (laughs) Yes. I remember now because she- Kept bringing up the fact that it's not, it's not particularly uh, feminist. <laughs> That's right. Yes, yeah, I remember <laughs> that.
0: I, I actually had to. We had to edit a bit out of that episode because we got into a bit of a discussion. Because I was like, "But this is the story. This is the. This is this is what the film is. You know, like, would it be cool if there were more female characters? Sure, but they're males telling a story about males in a time yeah. period that you know, <laughs> like I don't know.
1: <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I remember because even even with whatever you edited out, I still remember feeling, you know, I, I remember yeah. that point being made, a, you know, that point was made. And I guess I, I picked it up because I agree. I, yeah. I can see, I understand the frustration of, you know, being a woman and not feeling represented in yeah. a movie. But, you know, I guess it's a fine line. It is like, yeah, it, it's fair to ask, like, did we need another movie about dudes in the old West being yeah. dudes? But then my answer is like, but it's so good. I think that we need this one. You know, <laughs> that's my thing to yeah.
0: ones. That's absolutely that's my thing as well. I think it, it had it had worth to it. Yeah, I actually I loved that movie, actually. Yeah,
1: <laughs> there you go. Singular voice short stories. That's it, true. That, they must have inspired Wes Anderson to that. Uh, but
0: again, from memory, are there seven stories in that one? I think it's six. Right. So again though shorter in length and maybe that to me is the difference maybe because yeah the 330 minute stories for me was just too much
1: yeah that it's it's one of those things where i i wonder how it plays on rewatch again when you you know what you're getting into i i don't see myself feeling differently about the middle chapter just because yeah. it has nothing to do with uh i guess expectations it's just more i know exactly why i don't like it you know but yeah uh but I could probably appreciate more everything else that's happening. So if anything, this yeah. might even go up you know, higher on my estimation. And I really like the ending. The ending was good when they're just everybody in present day gathering to write the obituary. That yeah. was uh, when Jeffrey Wright sits down, he's like, let's write it together. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, he, he stuck. The, that's the moment he stuck the landing. <laughs> that yeah. was the line that yeah. I was waiting for. It <laughs> yeah. was really nice.
0: So, all in all, how are you scoring this movie?
1: Uh, Before I score it, because you said score. Oh, Uh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's one more thing that I love about the third story, and that is the score in the third story. That little music with the piano as Jeffrey Wright. I mean, it's there throughout, but especially as he's walking down the police station and going where he's trying to get. and, uh, And then throughout the hostage situation and everything, it's... Beautiful. I cannot believe they didn't get nominated at least for best original score.
0: Yeah, same. That's that's the one category that, for me, feels like a snub. <laughs> like, I, like, I would like it to be up for film editing, for sure. I think production design is a no-brainer. I think Nightmare Alley is probably going to win production design, but mm-hmm. this was a strong competition, I thought. But score- the score in this film is beautiful. Like, Desplat is a genius. <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, such a good, I guess, fusion of of composer and filmmaker, because yes. you know it's like I listen to it, I'm like, this is such a such a Alexandre de score, but I also think this is such a Wes Anderson score.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, they're like yeah,
1: yeah, in my mind. Yeah. So, so, with that out of the way, I'm <laughs> landing Billy on an eight out of ten.
0: Wow, that I mean, that's a solid score. That's that's cool.
1: It was it was a seven all throughout the middle, and then the yeah. third story happened and moved it back up. Yeah, eight.
0: right. See, that's so interesting because I I was an eight at the start of the film, and by the end, I've landed on a six, <laughs> and and again, maybe a rewatch would change things because yeah, I know what I'm in for now, and I can kind of train myself not to get so invested before we move on to the next segment and but yeah i think that there's so much to love about this film stylistically but for me i just i couldn't enjoy the structure enough so i'm, I'm a six in the end
1: well it's better that no actually it's not it's exactly what you gave
0: uh, life
1: aquatic isn't it
0: it is it is <laughs> yes <laughs> Oh, uh, next time you come on, we'll have to do like Fantastic Mr. Fox or something. <laughs> <laughs> something that you really like. Yeah, <laughs> actually, it's funny that you said you haven't seen Bottle Rocket because I really like Bottle Rocket. That's probably my favourite Wes Anderson film. So maybe, maybe we'll chuck that on at some point.
1: I, I just have to finish. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm game. I'll save it. Then <laughs> I won't watch it right away. <laughs>
0: But Thank you so much for joining me. Can you tell everybody about how wonderful The Contrarians is and where they can find it, and that you've you've now stopped watching Muppet movies?
1: <laughs> yes. Well, number one, The Contrarians are wonderful. The Muppets are wonderful <laughs> as well.
0: So The Muppets are wonderful. We
1: did a whole run of uh, Muppet-related episodes, but no, by the time that this drops... Uh, yep. Yeah, we've moved on from The Muppets, and we are into... Uh, oh, man, I think we're doing a couple of sports movies. Alex wanted to do... Uh, that basketball movie with uh,
0: Will Ferrell, Semi Pro, because it's rotten. Right, I've not seen that.
1: <laughs> it's it's uh, he feels very passionately about it, so I need to rewatch it. And then we're doing Moneyball. <laughs> kind of like to offset because Moneyball is fresh. Uh, yes. But yeah, we you know we take fresh movies according to Rotten Tomatoes. We take rotten movies according to Rotten Tomatoes, and we argue for the opposite. Uh, so we're gonna say really nice things about Semi Pro. We're gonna say really nasty things about Moneyball. And then the second half of the show, we tell you how we really feel. But it's, uh, it's good stuff. It's, it's entertaining. So if you, uh. If you want to hear us just be stupid about really bad and really good movies, just uh, look up The Contrarians on your podcatchers.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a heap of fun. And thank you also to patron of the show, Austin, who suggested this one. Um, Because this was one that I had originally put on the schedule last year, and then due to lockdowns and everything, it fell off. And so I wasn't going to get to it on the show, but I'm glad that we did.
1: (laughs) Hey. It's the second chapter in our Wes Anderson trilogy <laughs> that w- it looks like it's going to be closed with Bottle Rocket. So, yeah. This is good. This is history in the making.
0: It is. Well, next week I'll be joined by Liz from Movie Reviews in 20Qs to talk about Uncharted, which does not look good, but...
1: <laughs> wow, I didn't know it was opening already. This is just so, yeah. I've never played the game, so I couldn't tell you. It, it looks like a movie. <laughs> yeah
0: so that'll be fun Uh, in the meantime if you want to get in touch with me you can do that at wewatchedathing.com or wewatchedathing at gmail.com you can find me on Facebook Instagram and Twitter all under the handle at wewatchedathing you want to support the show you can do that at patreon.com forward slash wewatchedathing and I'll catch you next week